can ride with me in my foul life. Y'all really crap like that a bunch? You were messing with me because I didn't. I never knew that you would be out there with a string and a rock. Oh yeah, absolutely. For real? Oh yeah, dude. I bring my wife out here doing this. Seriously, the year of COVID, when when you wouldn't imagine. So when COVID hit, and of course there's nothing else to do. So on the weekends we come out here, and there was about fifty boats between there's there and there's another spot, and we go and anchor up and catch a ice chest of crabs. It's fun. Is it only? I know it's fun, but is it mainly because they eat so good? Yeah, yeah, and and you know, look, it's a party. I mean, just like everything we do down in Louisiana, it's a party. And so if we are crabbing, we're gonna catch an ice chest full, and we're gonna bring them to the house, and we're gonna ball them, and we're gonna invite a whole bunch of people, and that's what we do. Like if we know we want to get have a get together, we'll come down here catch. I think you can catch per boat. It's like uh, was it twelve dozen? The limit's twelve dozen. 144 crabs. Man, that'd have been nice. Per boat. You know how many people it takes to eat 144 crabs? A lot. That's what I was going to ask you. When I go to Maryland, like to visit Benelli and you get over there on the eastern shore, mm-hmm. and you're, you, you, that's where crabbing is very proficient as far as where I've been. I know they're proficient down here. And then you go over to like Washington State where the Dungeness are off the coast down there by Seattle and the Puget Sound and all that. But when you're when you're down there in in Maryland, you sit at a table and they put paper across it, and you got your pile of crab and you're cracking, and you got the old bay and the seasonings, and you're drinking cold beer. Are you guys do you guys do that with these? Steam them and eat them that way, or do you mainly do what we're getting ready to do tonight, Charlie? Do you mainly put them in gravy when you cook them, or do you guys ever sit around a table and crack them, kind of like what a crawfish boil, I guess, would be? Yeah, no, yeah. it's seasonal. I mean, crabs usually run typically more. At this time of year when crawfish season is, you know, crawfish are not as readily available. So we'll, we'll ball crabs, I mean, especially during the summer. Summer crab balls, I mean, it's just as popular down here as crawfish balls. Uh, I have a friend of mine that, that um, I work with that lives in Maryland, and there's been rumors that Louisiana ships more crabs to Maryland than Maryland catches. So I hate to say that to the people in Maryland, but we catch a lot of crabs down here. Big blue crabs, pretty crabs. And yeah. I think with the infusion of the fresh water and the salt water mixed together, it, it just makes the, the, the crab meat so much more of a, a sweeter crab than, than, you know, a true salt water crab. Is it your favorite crab you've eaten as these blue points or whatever you call them? Oh, yeah. So that, it, it's a, um, we, a long time ago, first year, first year we, um, when I first built the Gator Tails, um, first year in business, we came down here, me and a buddy of mine, and we, we passing through one Saturday, and uh, a guy by the name of uh, Mr. Satchery, related to Tony Satchery, but not, you know, not, wasn't him, and uh, he says, uh, guys, he wanted, he wanted to go for a ride with us. He said, I want to go ride in the Gator Tail. So we pulled up over here, he met us. We took him for a ride in the marsh, close to where we went today crabbing, and he says, uh, do y'all, do you like to eat crabs? I said, Nah, yeah, I, I like crabs. He says, "Stop at my camp on the way back." He said, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna give, I'm gonna ball some crabs for you and your wife." He said, "They'll be the best crabs you've ever eaten." I'm like, "Okay, Mr. Mike Sashery." He says, "Uh, so anyhow, I stopped on the way back, picked up ice chest of crabs, and we sat down and we ate them crabs, and that was the best crabs I ever eaten in my life. And it's just the flavor of them down here. Um, it's just it's a sweet, it's a sweet meat. It's a very good, very very tasteful." Um, 
And and like I said, it's it's told to me that down here a number one crab, which is the biggest crabs, every number one crab is sold before it is caught, and it's boxed away and shipped. Wow, yeah. probably to Maryland. Yeah, I got I heard to the <laughs> East Coast. I don't I don't know how true that is, but that's 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 what it was told. And, a lot and, of seafood restaurants over on the East Coast. I mean, it might be. Yeah. And the big crab, like the number ones. Like it, it's unless you know somebody that's a crabber. It's hard to buy a dozen of number ones, or I mean, they they have them. They expensive. Thing about crabs too, though, it it a lot of it depends on like as we were fishing as we were fishing today. They'll come just like a school of redfish. They'll come in and you'll have three or four on the line, and then they'll just completely shut off. You know, it's it's almost like they run in in schools when they catch them. But it also has a lot to do with the the tidal movement and the moon. Some days you'll catch crabs and. You know, you just don't have a lot of meat in it because of the moon cycle. And other other days, you can tell they're just really heavy and really full, which that's what we we try to do is catch them when when they're really full. Are they are they better to fish for on a sunny, still water day as opposed to day with that high wind and that storm coming in? Or that they said that rains come in. I heard some light thunder. And um, is does it matter for crab? I mean, crab they they are eating they eating the bait. So I mean, and, and quite possibly with today, the current may have may have been so strong that our 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 lines just wasn't on the bottom where the crabs were. You yeah. know, that's why I kept moving around and trying to figure out where they were. And I mean, it's not always we might pull up at that at that place ten times, and it's, they're not going to be biting in the same place every time. How would you just you just said sweet meat, Kyle? How would you describe crawfish? What is that bite like? Because Crawfish are a lot of work for a little morsel of meat. You get some that got big enough claws on them. You get good tail meat on them, but it's quite a bit of work, especially for people that aren't from down here and don't do it very often. And then talk to me about, you know, the flavor of the meat, how you describe it. And then what is like sucking the head mean, um, Cajun style? What are you doing when you do that? Is it fat in there? Is it where all of the, the boil gets and all of the flavoring? How does that work? And, and, and give me an idea of the correct way to eat a crawfish. Well, one thing is what, what you're saying about a lot, of, a lot of work for a little bit of reward. That's how growing up, that's how crabs were to me. I mean, like kids don't eat a lot of crabs because they're so hard to peel. And... I gotta like you an awful lot to peel peel crab for you to eat. <laughs> that just ain't happening. I'm not good enough at peeling them. But the biggest problem with crawfish is the reason why some people think that crawfish are hard to peel is because the crawfish are not cooked correctly. Like you, whenever I ball crawfish, whenever you break the head off the tail, you take you basically it's two steps. You break the head off the tail, you grab the tail with your fingers on in, in your right hand, and you squeeze, and you put it in your mouth, and you pull the meat out. It's that quick. So as fast as you can pop it and put it in your mouth, you can eat. And it's that fast. And a lot of and if it's bald right, the um, you know the, the 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 poop line or whatever you want to call it that stays in the shell when you pull it out. So it's the biggest misconception on crawfish. And and yeah, you eat the eat the claws, the big ones. You can eat in the claws. But I think that if it's not boiled right, it's hard to peel and it's not it's not good. And and look, we've everybody has their favorite crawfish recipe. Uh, and you know I, I have one that I do and and it's not you know you always want to get your your spices right and you want you want that right but the most important thing to boil crawfish is it has to be boiled right because if it's hard to peel nobody wants to yeah, eat them. you can't overcook them yeah. uh, it's and and people can relate to a boiled shrimp you know everybody's eating boiled shrimp that's hard to peel 
and that's because they were just cooked too long and the shell gets too soft and it sticks to the meat and makes it hard to peel. It's the same thing with crawfish. You can't overcook them. So how do you... Okay, so that's not concerning to me, but I was eating crawfish in Florida this year at a restaurant Mm -hmm. that's known for crawfish, and every bite was like that. Well, you, it was, you know, it wasn't easy to get them out. And I know what I, I'm, no, I'm not sound like I do it as much as you guys, but I know what I'm doing with a crawfish tail. And it was like that, like it was a struggle and it wasn't that enjoyable. And it kind of sets you back of like, man, all this work and you get a little bit of piece of meat. But so what you're saying that that meat will just slide out that string of dark that's on the top and the little slit on there, mm-hmm. you know, you want that to stay in the shell on its own is what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, and yeah, if it you, doesn't, it, do you it, eat that? Yeah. Damn right. Yeah. No problem. No. There's nothing wrong with that. And then the head is on the other end. You actually twist the head off, and then you take the body and and, and suck that part so out. So we, uh, we take, I mean, look, there's some people that suck the head. I don't want to. I don't want to inhale a, a whole bunch of seasoning by sucking the head. I mean, that's basically you getting, all, you know, you're getting that, 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 that seasoning, a burst of seasoning when you do that. So, I mean, basically, we pop, we, we cut it. You know, not cut it. We break the tail off the head. The head goes in one pile. You pull the meat out of out of the tail. Now, another thing that you hit on was they were hard to they were hard to peel. So down here in Louisiana, we only eat bald crawfish when the crawfish are easy to peel. In other words, they'll get they'll start getting hard. They'll get hard at the end of the season, and you know, as a local, we able to eat as much of it as we as we want to when it's in season. As they get harder to peel, we may, you know, we might say, "All right, we ate enough ball crawfish. We're not gonna, we're not gonna, we don't feel like eating that anymore." That being said, the crawfishermen are still coming in with plenty, and 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 one of the thing that that you don't know is that a large, large part of our business is commercial crawfishermen. And, and you're talking about for gator tail for the boats for the boat for the motors for the motors. So they we don't build the boats for our crawfishermen, but we we sell the motors and they put them on the back of their their boats. And they they fish deep water crawfish, and the crawfish will go through stages where they'll be you know they'll they they'll get hard, and then they I don't know they molt or yeah, I don't they know, molt they just molt. like crabs they'll, they'll molt and then they soft again, so it goes through cycles you know where and 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 there's different so there's crawfish that come out of crawfish ponds and there's crawfish that come out of deep water spillways, and uh, they both taste different, um, but it's a uh, uh, and it's seasonal, you know, it's seasonal. And it has a lot to do with the water temperature. So in your farm-raised crawfish, in your pond crawfish, which is where the majority of the crawfish in South Louisiana comes from, the water is only a couple of feet deep <clears throat> during crawfish season, which is usually all the rice fields because most rice farmers will use crawfish as a secondary uh, crop. And what will happen is as the spring starts to turn into summer and the temperatures start rising, that water temperature will rise and it'll make the crawfish, they'll go into that pre-molt stage where they want to bury. So they'll get real hard before they bury down into the mud. At that point, that's when usually the, the deep water, the Atchafalaya Basin crawfishermen will start catching because the water temperature is cooler and the crawfish will stay better longer than the, than the pond farm race crawfish in the deeper water yeah is it a favorite of you guys being cajun and being from this part of louisiana are crawfish a favorite of you guys still at this period this age in your life oh yeah they are because i've heard some people say man i could take them or leave them because i've eaten them so much like you really look forward to a boil oh yeah and do you do you do it 
a bunch of times each year or is it like maybe twice a year and you're no, over? No, we no, now now, you know, we do it several times. And 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 with these guys that are customers of ours, you know, if they and and look, so by getting to know these fishermen, these deep water fishermen, they they'll come in and say, "Man, look, I have some really I'm catching some really nice crawfish right now and they are in we're catching them in the lilies." And there's things that crawfish eat that make them taste a lot better. And um the, my favorite time to eat them is right at the end whenever some people have quit eating them because okay so crawfish season is going to start they can they they are putting traps out in crawfish ponds right now so it starts around thanksgiving they're going to start running you know november december january the ponds are really doing well so people start eating them that early and they'll go and they'll eat them through what August, I guess, July, maybe yeah, around July. June, July. June, Usually July. Memorial Day is kind yeah. of the cutoff of when crawfish season kind of tapers off. Oh, but but they're still like they're still crawfishing and crawfishing right now. They'll they'll crawfish all year. Long. Are they tiny this time of year? Or do they? It get... depends. It, it kind of depends, man. It it, it it depends. It depends on the water. It depends on the depth. This year they they the water's really really low in the spillway, so they didn't fish as long. Um, but it uh it it's. So anyhow, going back to how many times we eat them, if a fisherman comes in and he's like, man, look, I'm catching some nice crawfish. They they soft, they tender, they good eating. I'll say, okay, I want to buy a sack from you. So we'll just, you know, we may do it a bunch of times a year. We may not. Um, but it's, you know, you look at you look at balling crawfish and you think, man, that's a lot of work. I can ball crawfish a lot easier than cooking a gravy like what Charles did last night. Once you set up for it and you have the setup, it's so easy. You know, it's it's really, it's an easy meal to feed a lot of people. And to, to your point of what you said earlier about, you know, do you get to the point where you get tired of eating crawfish? It's kind of like asking you, who you know, a duck hunter, do you ever get tired of opening day of duck season? No. You or know, it's, it, <laughs> it's, it's one of those things that, you know, it's been part of our culture for forever and because it's seasonal and we don't have access to it year round we we as cajuns look forward to when the crawfish start running because uh, that's you know it's just fun it's fun to catch them it's fun to eat them and and you've had enough time that span from the last time you had them four five six months that you you're ready to you get that envie is what we call it that want to of you know it's it's time it's it's we get we get hungry for them do you guys look forward to deep fried food is deep fried food a constant and a staple in the cajun country yes like when you go get a po' boy down here you get breaded shrimp or you we, get breaded we, crawfish. we probably eat deep fried food i would say most average people probably eat fried food three to four times a week down here cajuns yeah do you enjoy fried food like breaded deep fried like in the grease and the no, I mean, I, I do, but, you know, we, I don't, of course, as we get older, we try, you know, watch what we eat and not eat a lot of it. Um, I still enjoy fried fish, like fried fish, um, fried shrimp every once in a while, but it's not something like if I go to a restaurant, I don't order a fried platter, right? You know, I, I like to try different things, um, but every once in a while I have a, my envie, like he says, of, um, some fried fish, you know, um, and, um. You know, we we catch. That's one another thing we do with the gator tails. We fish a lot of uh, crappie, white perch. Ooh. We call them sockele. And yes. and you know we'll we'll and we're in that same Atchafalaya basin, the the spillway where where they catching these crawfish. As the water falls, we start catching sockele, and uh, 
you know, we'll come back and we'll go in the afternoon after work. We'll go catch a mess, clean them, and we may fry them up, pan fry them, uh, deep fry them, you know, different ways. And 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 I'm very seldom will I go home and fry a batch of fish for me and my wife and the two boys. You know, that's – but it's a party, you know. You get a big – you save enough. You invite some people over. You, you bought, you know, fry up, you know, heat up the big bar, the big fryer, and you fry. You know, you might have – 20 people over. and if Owen you see the size of them it's always friends I mean they come over you know yeah it's a way fried fish is a way to feed a lot of people and, and just like ball crawfish and it's um you know it, it it is it is a it's it's a treat it's a treat when I eat it it's not something we do all the time but like Charles says like you 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 gonna go into any Cajun restaurant and it's gonna have fried shrimp po' boy fried catfish po' boy you know, uh, with some other fries that, you know. Everything, a fried seafood platter, you know. Fried, I mean, yeah. everything, it's just been really in the last, you know, when our society, because of, you know, all the different conditions that have kind of blew up over the last 20 years in in, in healthcare that, you know. But traditional Cajuns, I, I know, ate fried foods all the time. It's only because now we are a little bit more conscious about, not eating fried food because it, you know, it's bad for cholesterol and heart disease and everything else. And, but it's still one of the best tasting meals you ever put in your mouth. Anything fried is, is better than cooked in a microwave. And I wish it was healthy. It sucks that it can't be, but if you work out and you watch it, like I know people that have eaten fried food and they're 80, you know, like it just depends on, let me ask you guys this, speaking of the Cajun mentality and lifestyle, the socialization down here is huge key, right? It's like in Europe, food is celebrated. You know, you go to Italy and it's a five course meal and you're with family and you do the, all the pastas and the meats and then you do the salad at the end and then you do the gelato and then you do the limoncello and then you do the grappa. And then by the time you know it, it's like time to eat breakfast almost. And a lot of Italians just take you to really small breakfast. But as far as like socializing, do you two personally look forward to downtime or is it always a group of people year round? Do you guys have find it hard to get away from the the ideology in the Cajun country that it's a party? Like it's always a gathering. In my opinion, like every time I've been around Cajuns, it's a gathering. They celebrate food, they celebrate friendship, they're always celebrating life and kinship. Do you guys still look forward to that being at this age in your life? Or do you look forward to the downtime now and getting away from that ideology of it's always got to be a group of people? Not sure if I'm on to that, like if that's right, but it seems to me like Cajuns are always with all their family, all their friends, and they're always having gatherings. So- I, I, I think that I think that as, as time has changed, it's not like that as much as it used to be. You know, uh, I mean, I, I remember as a kid, you know, we would always, you know, we're getting together at one of my grandparents' house or uh, my wife's family, you know, that whenever they, it was, but it, it's not like that anymore. You know, I don't, I don't know that everybody gathers as, as, as much as what it used to be, but I mean, there was, you know, every Sunday it was, it was dinner at grandma's house or who, you know, maybe not mine, but it was always something, it was a, a gathering. And as, I mean, you know, as people, I, I, it seems like as people started moving away and, and, and it's, it's not, it's not a constant. So, I mean, whenever it happens, yeah, it's a, you know, wait a minute, I want to make sure I understand this. So you're saying that Sunday dinners are not a constant anymore in the Cajun families? 
I'm not I'm not saying that it's not. I just know that and and look, my family, you know, I, I don't have a big family, so it, it's uh, you know, I'm only child. I don't have any brothers and sisters, so it's not like that state. Uh, I know on my wife's side, you know, they 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 as as the families as the kids have grandkids and it gets bigger, you don't you're not all meeting up at They're one house. Their own thing. Yeah, and I mean, you know, you you look at what kids do today. You know, it's it, it, if you have you have boys playing travel baseball. Well, that's 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 every weekend of the summer that they you run around doing that, or you have a football. Which game. Which that or, wasn't like that when we were growing. It wasn't. No. It wasn't. And I and I don't think that's necessarily a Cajun thing. I think that's just a society that we live in today. That you know, kids are more involved and more active, and you know, as when we all grew up, you you played on one baseball team or one football team. There was no. You know, sports wasn't a year-round Did COVID thing. get you guys back? And I'm not interrupting you, but you're talking about sports is year-round. Well, COVID shuts this down. Let me tell you something. So does COVID get you guys back together and the Cajun mentality's back for a minute? It, it No, but it it uh, it was an eye-opening experience because, you know, I you saw those two boys, the two boys I have. Uh, both of them were playing travel ball at the time, and, you know, you thought that's what you needed to do. And then COVID hit, and like I told you, we out here, we're crabbing. We had my other camp in Dularge, we fishing. That was the best summer we ever had. And 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 they haven't played travel ball since. And and you know, that's, just, that, yeah, that's yeah. something to kind of ponder on and think about. You know, we, we get so involved in our lives and think that's, that's the best thing. And then something like this happens and Kyle says it's the best summer they ever had. You know, that's what family used to be. That's what, you know, it was about spending quality time in the outdoors. And those, and kids learn so much <clears throat> From doing things outside of sports and just learning, you know, values of how to catch a fish or bait a hook or take a fish off of a hook or, you know, shoot a bow or shoot a gun. I mean, it's just so important that it's it's something that's getting pulled away from us and we don't have that opportunity to do that with the kids like we did growing up. And it's a misfortune, in my opinion, that... You know, these kids are not learning the life skills that, especially in South Louisiana, that's just going away. So with you two personally, being the age as you are now, and you you were a mentor to Kyle growing up, you're a little bit older. Do you guys, is it just organic and it just is the way it is to where you guys are going to be together, you're going to be spending time together? Is your friendship better than it's ever been? Is it better, is it the same as it's ever been do you guys like just know hey i'm i'm, I'm call- when i need somebody to help me at camp i'm calling i'm calling charlie when you say i'm going duck hunting i'm calling kyle um you guys have your own lives now he's got kids he's got an extended family you're remarried you got a lot of things going on professionally like has it does it bit into your friendship a little bit do you guys have to make more of an effort to get together or does it just naturally happen day after day because of the, the the groundwork that was, you know, established back back whenever it started. No, I mean, like, with him and I, man, it's, we, I mean, some sometimes we might not see each other all hunting season. I mean, if he's hunting deer at his camp and I'm hunting ducks over here, I might call him and say, hey, you want to come hunt ducks? Well, man, I got some guys coming in. You say, you want to come bring the kids hunt deer? Well, no, I got some, you know, and it's just, but I mean, we're going to get together and say, hey, you want to go fishing or you want to do something like this? Um, it, it doesn't. It's that's something about you know as as a uh, 
as a, a, a Cajun and, and the way we grew up over here, you know, you're going to go in and out with different guys, you you know, different friends, and you'll go with this group one time, that group with the other one, but at the end of the day, hey, Charles, man, you can come help me with this? Oh, absolutely. Or if he calls me or something like that, you know. And uh, so, I mean, yeah, it's it, – it's, uh, at, at, at different points of your life, you do different things. And uh, I'm just not going deer hunt, you know. That's so that's where, I was going with, that's where I was going with this. Is last night when we all got together on the deck, on the porch, it was like riding a bike. Y'all were, knew each other's jokes. You're finishing each other's lines pretty much. You're telling stories. You're doing it. But then I started thinking, like, well, do they do this all the time? Y'all aren't doing it that often? No. Oh, I no. mean, it's it, when you're lifelong friends, it, you never miss a beat. I mean, I could not see. And, and Kyle and I, even though we may not get together because of, you know, our different lives and you know his profession and my profession but we still talk a couple of times a week you know even if it's text message or you know on a call uh i think you know our relationship between he and i has you know has grown and a lot of it has been because of you know of gator tail and and i think that's that's a big thing that you know i think that has actually brought us closer together uh, and seeing him, you know, the way that he started this company and how it's it's blown up over the years has just been, you know, Kyle lean on on me and call me and we talk shop sometimes about business, I guess. And uh, but it we can we can not see each other for three or four months and we get together just like we saw each other. We've been hanging out for the last two weeks. Yeah, I started thinking about that of how you 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 just alluded to Kyle about how you everything changes. And it's a weird concept in life to take. It's hard to, I don't know if it's hard to accept, but it's hard to get used to for me. Like I accept it. Like it's cool, but man, like, you know, like Ricky made a comment when we were driving into the hunt this morning, man, Owen's getting big. And I was like, yeah, so is my daughter, you know, like, am I spending enough time with her? Everything changes. And then, you know, pretty soon she's going to have a new group of friends that she's going to be running with. And that constant's going to be gone, you know, and you gotta, you gotta adapt. And it's just, it's, it's a funny phenomenon to me about how the only thing that stays the same is, you know, change, well, right? I'll, like you're I'll, always going to experience change. And it's, that's the secret of life is how to keep adapting to the change. Cause it don't matter what who you are how much money you have how buff you are how out of shape it don't matter what it is it's everything is going to constantly change and it's the people i guess that can adapt to that and keep transitioning with it that are going to experience it there's always going to be highs and lows Mm -hmm. but you know like something could happen to him and if you all aren't spending enough time together you're going to be like well shit we could have made more effort you know Mm -hmm. that's how i'm always thinking like why am i not making the effort no, you know see, what I'm saying. It's a weird mentality. Like some, it, something happens to him, or something happens to me. We'd be like, "Yeah, that was a that was a good dude, man." You know, because we're gonna laugh. You know, and I mean, but that that's the thing is that you 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 surround yourself with people with good people, and and that's uh, that's what we do. You know, I'll I'll say this to both of you: have young kids, and you know, my oldest is 28, and you know, my youngest is 24, and spend time with your kids because they're only young once and and that's that's a thing that you can they'll never be young kids again you know they're going to be adults for the majority of their life that those years of them growing up and going through that transition of figuring out who they want to be is super important um at this time and it goes by so fast you know so i'm if if looking back on it you know i wish that it, it it would have been a little bit different that I would have been able, I would have spent more time. And I feel like I did, 
but you always want more time with your kids. Yeah. And that's what I, another comment Ricky made this morning was about your drives to school and how you told Ricky one day, Hey, you don't, that drive to school is everything. You might've had to skip oh, yeah. a morning duck hunt, oh, yeah. but that 20 minute, 15 minute drive is everything for the foundation and the formation, I guess, of that bond. Yep. And it does, it, it, it's, it's, it's your psyche that says that was a good, that I did it. And then it's fulfilling that, you know, the conversation and the bonding that goes on in just such a short period. But I think it's kind of, you know, you're a busy man. You look forward to duck season. You're still an individual, mm-hmm. but you're sitting here going, I'm not hunting. I'm missing some hunts because yeah. this drive to school, you know what I mean? Like that's what you experience, right? Yeah. I mean, Hey, but you know, it was, a. Uh, um, said pretty soon I ain't have nobody to take to school, you know? And I mean, that's, that's the reality of it. And, you know, so I, and, and I passed up, you know, I, and I could, if I wanted to, I could hunt all 60 days, but that's just not what I choose to do. You know what I mean? We, you know, you, 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 your family time is valuable, um, no matter what time of the year it is. And, uh, like you said, I mean, wow, that, that's, and I told it to Rick, I had that conversation with him. Cause you know, Ricky has the young kids and, and, and you got, now I have a lot of my friends that have the younger kids asking me, well, what did you do? What did you do? Uh, you know, talking about bringing kids in a dog blind. What year do you do it? How long? And, you know, being, I always told myself, being what I do for a living, I don't want to force it on my kids. You know, I, I didn't want to ruin them. So, yeah. but that, but that's interesting because we talk about this a lot, Kyle and I, and for whatever reason, when he and I grew up, and and I think that's what discourages a lot of young kids from getting into hunting and fishing and outdoor life is because today our generation as parents want to bring our kids as soon as they are able to stay in, you know, 40 degree weather for three hours. Whereas when we grew up and we talked about that, I was 13 or 14 years old before I ever got to go to the, the hunting camp my first time, you know, and, and you would sit there and just almost kind of dream about what it would be like to go to the camp. And you would ask your, your grandpa or your uncle or your dad, Hey, I want to come. It's like, no, you're not, not quite old enough yet. And it was, it was almost like waiting for a Christmas present. You just couldn't, the, the anticipation. So, and when you finally got to go, when you said, they said, when you were 13, you can start coming to the camp. Then it became addictive because it was all of this, persona that you had created in your mind of what hunt camp or fish camp was going to be like and you finally got to go and it was like you know christmas morning i think now we bring our we start to bring kids too soon too early and we want to go make a duck hunt for a couple hours and you know the kids are whining saying when we leaving you know i'm cold i'm you know it's this and 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 we burn them out too soon before they can really feel that they they enjoy they what they're the what they're doing yep. do you find it harder in today's society kyle with i know your kids are a little older charlie but do you think that social i mean social media plays a huge role in everybody's life now this the access to phones you know like today i saw owen texting in the duck blind well, when i was his age we didn't we weren't texting in the duck blind mm-hmm. you know we were paying attention we had to keep ourselves occupied not saying it's bad or good but do you find it harder for the concentration and to keep their attention or that did they get eaten up with it and they kind of share that through their social media channels or do you have to constantly stay on them of like, Hey, 
you know, it's time to pay attention. It's time for the hunt right now. Let's leave the phone alone. Yeah. So he, uh, no, well, the reason he took the phone out is because I told him, text your mama and make sure everything's lined up, you know, to for the stuff whenever he gets home. Um, and because he had to get back to school. And, and of course, once the phone comes out of the pocket, if he sees he got these little Snapchats from whoever else, well, you got to start answering that, you know, or, or whatever. And so Saturday night over here, we had, um, I had one, two, three, four. I had four 15, 15 year olds going on 16. And I think they probably had three or four 17 going on 18 year olds on this porch over here. Okay. From Lorville. I'll go to school with him. And it's it turned into there's a lot of kids getting into it right now, man. It's um there's there's duck hunting right now is popular for these young kids. They are they are they are in it. And and I've always, you know, all these leases that I have down here, I've tried to get some of the guys that have kids the same age as Owen, friends with Owen, get them involved in it, you know, that the little camp down the road. I got some guys that stay in that one day in a, a lease with me. To try to give those kids an opportunity, you know, the, the the youth weekend. Last year for youth weekend, the Sunday morning, I had, I think I had three 15-year-olds and a 12-year-old. And I watched them shoot a limit for them, shoot a legit limit of teal while I stood in the back and just watched them. But it's and, almost like you, you're, we're creating a distraction to the outdoors away from the social media. Well, it's not that. It's, it's. In a good way well, is wait, what I'm well, saying. Well, is they're so inundated on with the technology and and on their on the phones or that it's 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 rewarding as a parent for you to see five or six fifteen year olds being the duck blind shooting ducks calling ducks oh, yeah. rather than them being on their phone there, there, the whole there, time. There's there's no doubt. And you know what what kids see on social media. I mean that's a lot of some of that's fairy tale. You know Most I mean that, it. It, it's 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 not real life. You know. A lot of this stuff that is 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 make believe. So for them to come out here, and they and they have a pile of ducks in their hands, man, they they excited. You know that that's something that they see other people doing it, and it's it's a. Uh, I'm like, man, if I can get these kids to come out here and and do this, and uh, you know that that's 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 good for me. That's what that's what I, that's why I do it, and that's why. I, and I mean, this camp right here, you know, we've been over here for for 25 years. So when when we got this camp, I was in college, not much older than what the one is now, and you think about this same mobile home that we sitting in right now has been in this place for that long, survived four major hurricanes, and it just sits under these trees and it's protected. You know? I was telling it to Chad um, how many times coming out here and pulling rosos out from oh, underneath yeah. and like a snake jungle. Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean you see you see the hurricane coming and you like. Yeah, it ain't, it's not going to make it. That snake you saw today, there was snakes that big under here after <laughs> after Hurricane Rita. It looked like a snake the way his body was shaped. And I, all I think about is freaking cotton mouse down here, man. That's all I, bet, I bet, think about when Louisiana is Terry Denman's farm and seeing all them things coiled up and they look just like that. Thing. But it was a little bit too big. Do you – do you – are you too lenient on the social media as a father in today's society, in your opinion? Do you, is it possible to, and I'm asking for a friend, <laughs> me, because, um, you know, I'm probably getting to that point to where that might be next, you know, as they get into their 13, 14. 
can't you just say no? You can't have it? Or are they going to go against you and rebel like that, that the, the old school James Dean attitude? Don't tell me what I can't do because I'm going to do it behind your back. Or my when you, when you talk about a fairy tale life and the the downfall of a lot of people in society, in my opinion, of jealousy and trying to keep up with the Joneses and watching all these fake lives and everybody's smiling, everybody's fit and everybody's rich and everybody's on a yacht. And do you ever worry that, that the kids, even though how awesome of a parent you and your wife are, do you ever worry that that could take a hold of it and put different thoughts in their mind to where it could have been prevented and been like, just stay the hell off of it? No, no. I mean, all you got to do is trust that you did a good job setting the foundation, man. I mean, you can't, it's not, if they step out of line, it's, it's going to be problems, you know, but I mean, all you do is hope that you set a good enough foundation, you surround them. So, you know, stay in their laws, man. You know, we, I, I want to know what they're doing, you know, but you got to trust them too. Um, I mean, that's all, you know, I, and, and look, you can't protect them for the rest of their lives. I mean, whenever, uh, whenever they go into the football locker room with, with, I mean, that's it, you know, I mean, there's no telling. I remember learning stuff on a school bus whenever I was in first grade. <laughs> Come yeah. home and say, Mama, what's this? And she said, where did you hear that? Like, on a school bus. She's like, oh, Lord. You know? yeah. So, I mean, what what you going to do? You know, you got to, you know, you set a good foundation. You raise them right. And, uh, you know, you, 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 you teach them to be humble. I mean, you've been around me. You, you, I think you know me good enough to know that I'm just humble. Is what it is, you know. But but it's again, it goes back to kind of how society has changed over the last, even I mean, it, in the last twenty to thirty years when we were growing up, our parents didn't have. Our parents would would never question and tell you, "I wonder what Chad thinks, and if I shouldn't let him do this." If they didn't think you were going to do it, the answer was just no. You're not doing that. And and as kids, it bothered us. And we kind of despised our parents because of it. But you look back 20 years later and say, I'm glad that they were that disciplined with us uh, because it made you a better person. You know, I mean, I grew up on a sugarcane farm and I, you know, I despised my my parents when all my friends were going on the lake and going in the boats on Sunday afternoon, Saturday afternoon. And I couldn't go because we were working in the fields. And, and it's not that we were working to where I felt like I was needed. I'm like, they're just making me work just to do it. And why, why would they do that? And it wasn't until I became an adult and said, you know what, that created a work ethic in me that I just don't think our younger society has because us as parents, we, 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 we tend to, it's, it's just different. And it's not that it's wrong or it's right, but we, we, we give our kids a lot more freedom today than our parents gave us. And I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing, but had a guy tell me one time, he said, society is like a school of fish, you know, swimming in the ocean. A school of sardines, you get one fish to turn and they're all going to turn. He said, you can take your child and pull them away from that school and say, I'm going to train my child or discipline my child differently. But he said, society is more important than that. They're, that school of fish turns hard enough, they're going to turn back with with society. So it's just matter of how you you know how we're managing it today as as parents but it's definitely different than the way we grew up yeah i think that social media is a worry for me but i think that all you can do is hope that you raise them right and and you know you look for it you stay involved you stay part of their lives i mean that's a big that's a big comment of like you know seeing your boys in there today and seeing it he what is how, how old is max 13 
Max is 12. He's be 12. 13. And he's again. standing up just smacking ducks by himself and loading guns <laughs> by himself. And, you know, he's loving it. You know, yep. he, he they can't get enough of it. They're shy. They're respectful. They're well mannered. You know, obviously they they were they were taught to respect adults and and how to be around people. And I think that that's key in that that they got it. You know, there's I don't think that that school of fish they might sway and go that way, but they're not going to let that school of fish be like, hey, you got to start treating people like this, or you got to start making dumb decisions and, and 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 being irresponsible. You know, they've already got that instilled in them. Yeah. And so maybe that social media can't get a hold of them. Maybe it can't. Oh, it can. It can. Him. It can. I mean, it, it, it's it's not gonna, it's not gonna turn them all the way around. But they, you know, they see things. You know, they. Uh, I mean, the the youngest one. He he says the other day, I think I'm gonna start a YouTube channel. I said, Oh yeah, what you gonna do? Well, I don't know. He says, but uh, so he watches YouTube often, and you know, he he's one that watches these uh, instructional YouTube things. The little dude, you ask him anything, you ask him a question about anything, or you're driving and you're talking about something, he says. Oh yeah, I don't know about that. So you know that that's good things. You know he learns, he knows a lot about different things by watching educational things on YouTube. If he's if it's dirt bikes he wants to know about, he's gonna watch some videos on that, or four wheelers, or boats, or trucks, or whatever it is. So there there's there's good things out there also that that us we didn't have that. So uh, Kyle's got really good kids though. You notice that? I mean, oh, he, yeah. his he he's he and Sarah's done a, a a great job with with those kids. I mean, those boys have been like that their whole life. And when Kyle raises his voice, they they know. You know, uh, we do a, a every year they raise they raise 4-H chickens, and that's kind of been a, and kind of become a little tradition, yeah. I guess. Yeah. That Kyle will call me and and on a Sunday morning in in springtime after the 4-H show, Kyle's got 40 to 45 broiler chickens that are you know his boys raised and and now we gotta we gotta do something we gotta process them and and you don't have much window on these broiler chickens to to do it so it's almost like you have to make time for it but to watch those boys the first year that we did it where they didn't they didn't know how to do anything where you know Kyle had to teach him okay this is going to be your job and watching them over the the last three or four years because they grow again so fast on now they know exactly what their job is and they're damn good at at their job and 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 we process you know Kyle's father-in-law comes and I come and me and him and his two boys and we'll we'll do I think the first time we did it I think it took us almost all day and I think this past time, I think we were done because I remember eating lunch oh, yeah. at your house. Yeah, we were done for lunch. <laughs> we time. ate lunch. We ate lunch, and uh, so it's it's cool to see that you know the process of them growing, not being a parent of them, just seeing them every three or four months, and just watching that transition of how fast they grow and how how you know proficient and good that they become when they get proud of of doing something. Did you ever have a worry that they weren't going to take a liking to the outdoors and the duck blind? No, I mean if if they didn't like it, they I was following me. But too. did you did either one of them ever give you any signs that now nah, this ain't for me? Not really. Not really. No. Uh, not really. The little one, the little one wanted to come. Max wanted to come younger than what I probably younger than what Owen did, because his older brother was going. You know, uh, but they uh, no. And if they wouldn't have liked it, then so be it. You know, it is it is what it is. Would have done something else. Now. Whenever they mention going deer hunting, I'm like, ah, you have to go to your grandfather for that. What <laughs> is it, Kyle, that you don't like about deer hunting? I, I grew up deer hunting. And You're I, over and, it. I, and I don't despise it. I mean, it's 
it's relaxing, you know what I mean? But you can't do what we're doing right now in a deer block. Like, I don't want to go deer hunting with him sitting because you can't, you can't joke around, you can't cut up. In the duck line, we can be social, you know, and that's that's what that's what is so intriguing about about duck hunting. Okay, like back where where we went crabbing today, we used to go in that blind. We had, I, I have a blind on the south side, and we'd sit in that thing till sometimes twelve one o'clock in the afternoon. You know, it, it it if the birds were flying, we were gonna sit in there, and you you can't I can't do it in a duck blind. It, it, in a deer stand these days. If I go sit in there and the internet works. I'm gonna be playing on my phone more, and I'm gonna be watching for a deer, you know. And 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 that being said, you know, I I love the elk hunt. Uh, I love going out west to elk hunt. Um, and and I like deer hunting. I got a good friend of mine that brings me and my boys brings them on a on hunting in the marsh. I enjoy that. Um, and and it's not that I don't like the deer hunt. I just like the social aspect of the duck hunt, you know. And it's not just you know. And don't get me wrong. Deer hunting is where it all started, cause the the camps, the Cajun deer camps down here, the, you know, they'd have a they'd have a, a supper, they call it a supper, a during the week, a meeting with a supper, and monthly we'd go to the deer camp and the old men were cooking a supper and you get out there and all the kid young kids would go and eat and we'd play and whatever, and the old men would go over there and they'd drink beer and talk about hunting season, I guess, you know, and and that's where it all started. That that the, the old men used to cook in a square pot. The pot was big enough. It seems like it fit on all four burners. It was so big, but they just go and cook a big gravy, and, and that was and that was a supper. And I, I remember that as a kid. And uh, so it, it's uh, it's not that I don't like the deer hunting. I just like the social aspect of the duck hunting. And and I find that I find that for kids, it was it, you know, I remember this as a little kid. You go sit in a deer stand and you want to talk, and everybody's be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. Man, you bring them in a duck stand in a duck blind. They can holler and scream. They can do whatever they want. You know, it doesn't matter. You know, it, it, it's a, uh, but it, it's you know, I believe that that our sport, our sport of duck hunting, has to keep kids in mind. You know, you know, we, Chad. You know, we we've talked about this, uh, and you and I probably haven't discussed it, but you know, sooner or later, the the days are gonna get shorter on our season. The limits may get may get less. And what I've talked to many people about is we have to remember if the days get shorter, we have to keep the kids in mind. If it's a 30-day season, I, I, I know it's probably not possible, but it needs to be 30 days of weekends, you know, because we're going to lose generations of duck hunters if kids can't hunt. Right? That, there's not many people that at 30 years old say, you know what, I think I'm going to start duck hunting. Mm-hmm. At that time, they, they, they're a deer hunter or they're doing something else. Where a kid learns to enjoy the sport is those little kids that, you know, those young boy, young men that I have or the little kids that come. That's where you start to learn and enjoy the sport. And the camp life. The camp is what, the, the, this, what we're doing over here. That's what they enjoy. That's what they're going to remember. They might, they, you know, yeah, they'll remember when they killed their first greenhead, their first sprig. They're they going to remember that. But they're going to remember going to the camp as a kid. You know, oh, was that the camp? Mr. Charles came. He cooked this or you know, and 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 I always, always, and I had I had some some buddies just this past week talking about it. They said, "What did you do with your kids whenever you brought them duck hunting?" I said, "I'm gonna tell you right now." Owen or Max, Max, because his memory is really good, he probably remembers. Owen, you know, you can ask him when he killed his first one or where he's gonna remember where. But what they'll always remember is whenever I cooked that elk sausage in the blind farm, 
or 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 the fried eggs or egg and sausage burritos, they remember that as little kids. They didn't remember us killing a limit of of whatever. It was you know the breakfast in the barn that was fun or or things like that, and I, and that's that's what it's about. You know you get those kids addicted on that and they hopefully they they're gonna they're gonna go with you and keep going. Well, they I was bringing them back to school today mm-hmm. in the truck and we were talking about y'all hunt this morning and uh they both they both said man boy that teal hunt we made on y'all please that that was oh, that was fun oh, they, yeah. they remembered that you that know it, and and which is cool because that was what three years ago yeah. now and and for them to bring that up on their own was pretty special to me you oh, know yeah. to say that i was a a, a part of that because yeah. it was it was a really good teal hunt um I didn't cook sausage and egg burritos, but in fact, I've never gotten sausage and egg burritos when you and I hunted together. So that might be something we put on well, the, okay. well, but on the yeah. list of things. To, <laughs> Would you hunt as do. much as you do if it wasn't for the kids, Kyle? Are you still as mad at them as you were when you were 25? Not that you're an outlaw. I'm saying, like, you do you still have that fire in your belly to chase ducks? Oh, yeah. So, like, if your kid said, Dad, I love the company. I might come to work for you someday. But I'm gonna take this duck blind or leave, and I'm gonna go be a deer hunter with Uncle Charlie. Oh. You're like, you're still gonna chase ducks like there's no tomorrow, or are you gonna transition into being a duck hunt, or a deer hunter? No, I mean, look, if my kids didn't want a duck hunt and they wanted a deer hunt, I, I of course would would bring them. But then I'd have to take off during the week to go, <laughs> to go duck hunting. So you still have the, the the fire at this stage in your duck hunting career that you want to chase them hard every day. Yeah, I mean, but look, I don't. I'm not a six to day a year guy. You know, I mean, I I, I just I've never done that, I, you know. I, I I have a passion to work, you know. And I mean, I I feel like if I'm not at at, at that shop daily, I want to be there, you know. And don't get me wrong, a vacation is nice every once in a while, and being away is nice every once in a while. But I want to go see what's going on. But I, I think as you get older, and we've Kyle and I have talked about this, as you get older, you you tend to appreciate. It's not just necessarily about duck season; is the preparation. Yeah, to get to duck season, you know, we enjoy doing the 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 work during the year and going out there and, you know, opening up trails and and ditches and doing excavator work to cut another boat launch or, you know, it's that kind of stuff is almost just as it. it, it I think twenty years ago that would have been work to us, and it's like, oh man, we gotta go, we gotta go work. Now it's I I personally yeah. enjoy that part of it just as much you know it's like the duck hunt is just kind of the icing on the cake but it's is the preparation of knowing that you're building that habitat or doing something to better your property to hopefully bring more ducks in i think you get enjoyment out of yeah and 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 for me it's not it's not about me personally going and 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 shoot a limit of ducks or shoot whatever i want to be able to bring people i want to create place for you know my god my employees come friends of mine that kind of thing you want to be able to create a habitat for successful hunts you know you want you want those kids to come and be able to shoot you know and don't get me wrong we you know we've had plenty of times where you know we we wouldn't shoot it though you know i mean we've seen that in the past few years and you're like okay well we gotta do something different and uh so that being said yeah I, i i still i love to go if if I'm at work and I look and it's a day like this and you're looking out the window and you're like, man, I should have been in that duck blind, you know. Um, but I'm a family man too, so you know it, it's 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 not just about uh, it's not just about staying at a duck camp all year long, you know. It's it's 
I, one thing that that especially in South Louisiana is that during duck season is some of our prettiest weather in Louisiana. So whenever you home and it's, it's duck season, you're like, man, this is kind of nice sometimes, you know. So are you a, are you a duck nerd like? You obviously have mad engineering skills and design with the motors and stuff, which we are going to have a part two podcast for everybody listening out there. We're going to come at you live from the Gator Tail Warehouse and headquarters, and we're going to talk about Kyle's beginning, him and his father, and the Gator Tail brand. It's an awesome story, but like, do you love laying out your waders and your jackets and your duck calls and your lanyard and your and your dog collars? Like, are you a gear nut to where that still gets you giddy of like all of the, you know, I know the land preparation is a big part of it now and farming for ducks and the next generation and taking care of the habitat and respect for the resource. That's all so important. But like personally and selfishly, are you kind of like, man, I love my gear. Like I love looking in my closet and seeing all my my jackets lined up are you are you a gear nut and, yeah. and a duck nerd you don't a- absolutely take it not. or leave it no no and and one thing one thing about about getting these kids involved okay it was think about this you have back in the day now they they got those two boys are old enough they can pack their own clothes they can get their own gear but whenever you have to have you getting two boys together and a dog for opening weekend decoys all of that, that's a lot of preparation. You know, like you had to make sure you had all the gear for the young one, all the gear for the older one, collar, food, you know, everything for the dog. I mean, that's, so, you know, I'm a last minute type of guy, man. I know where my stuff is and I just start grabbing it, throw it in the truck. That's why I have a camper top, so I can throw everything in there and I just grab what I need. <laughs> but isn't it, isn't it funny though, like, and, and you probably are, are the same way when you, it's always like those first few weekends you kind of get out of that routine whereas towards the end of the year everything's kind of ready to go and you can pack a lot quicker for some reason yeah. at towards the end of the year yeah. than you do at the beginning i don't know if it's the an, the anticipation or we over prepare maybe when opening weekend oh, yeah. comes versus yeah. the end of the much. year where it's like bring a box of shells and you're good that's all you need yep. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so last night critique wise you're the critic kyle did old Charlie here do a good job on this Cajun gravy that we had? Is that a good gravy? And is that kind of a, um, you know, everybody hears roux, they hear gumbo, they hear jambalaya. Last night we had a smoked elk sausage. We had two different sausages. They were both elk, had a little bit of brown sugar in it. But was that overall a good gravy for the Cajun standard? Oh, yeah. And look, that's it's, <laughs> like he told you last night, growing up, Growing up, whenever we'd all get together, you always have that one friend who's the cook in, in a group, okay? <clears throat> Everybody can pretty much cook, but if Charles is coming to the camp, we like, Charles is like, well, I'll cook. You know, we got another buddy, Chad, when we go to Colorado. It's, you know, one cooks one night, he cooks the other night. Like, you, you know who the good cooks are. But he wasn't lying when he told you that he, we used to eat at, at 12, at almost at midnight. Like, you, everybody's starving, and you're like, but, Charles, is it ready? But that that makes your whatever you're cooking, if if it's gonna be a six at six o'clock, it's gonna be a ten at ten o'clock. <laughs> Everybody's a little bit more buzzed. Exactly, more, more buzz, more hungry. So I mean, it, so, there, look, there's some psychology involved in the I time like that the you psychology. eat something. I like it. So we ate what at eight o'clock last night, I, I, and well, I'm not even going later than that, was it? I, I, I'm not gonna put that gravy at a at a at a. 
higher than a, a, a seven or six or seven uh, of what we used to. But if, if you'd ate two hours later, you would have you would have eaten a lot more. What were the morsels called at the bottom of the pan? The grimies. Good. Did you hear this before you, last night? You, you oh, know yeah. about these. Well, what I was getting at is, what I was getting at is, I've never eaten a bad meal that he cooked. Because either because we were really, really hungry when we were young, or he's really that good of a cook. So, yeah, it doesn't matter. It's the psychology, though, right? You know, he thinks I'm a good cook because I've made him eat late all those years. (laughs) Made him start dipping that bread in the gravy, getting a little taste for it. So, what's the difference? We'll end this podcast by going into tonight's meal. What a day. Duck blind, awesome duck hunt with the boys. Owen and Max had a blast. I was honored to be in there. Then clean the ducks with them, breasted them all out. That's going to sit for tomorrow because we're going to put those we're going to put those on the Traeger tomorrow and smoke them out and do a little reverse sear on them. But tonight's kind of special because after the duck hunt, we used the same boat, went into the water, and we started what well, we started this conversation with with these crabs. Just a, I mean, just like some redneck backwood stuff, like a rock wow. on a line and a, and, a, and a gizzard from a duck and some intestines and the carcass from the duck. And bam, we're catching blue point crabs. And we're going to have that with shrimp tonight. And then we're going to use the oyster beds with the oysters. And we're also going to have some tenderloin, some Cajun style tenderloin, I believe, with some mushrooms, right, that has a crab stuffing in it or a shrimp stuffing. Yep. Yep. No, tonight will be a will be a treat, and 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 I guess we we look forward to this as much as you look forward to this because if it was just Kyle and I at the camp, we'd be fine eating a ham sandwich or an egg sandwich. You know, it it, it brings out a lot of what we did growing up when people really prepared and took their time to cr- cook a really good meal, and I think that's something we enjoy is to do it for other people so are you mentally getting ready right now like you talk about the psychology of the cook right and there's a psychology of the duck hunt so right now do you know the exact recipe are you going to have a little bit of brown water a little bit of jack daniels old number seven and you're just going to start doing what he does with his camper shell with all of his gear in there he's like oh that one looks good for today i need that boom 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 are you going to just throw down or are you starting to mentally prep right now for this meal because it's kind of an endeavor to cook for 10 people you got a lot of different things going on do you have to mentally prepare right now or are you just that good to where when you walk out on that porch you're just going to be boom and lay it out it's going to take six seven hours i understand that part of it but are we going to mentally prepare ourselves right now or you already got a game plan laid out and a strategy no it's no. just gonna happen it's just, it's when it's, that fire goes on the stove it, it's kind of like when you're sitting in the dug blind talking like we are and a flock of teal buzzes you is it's game on and when it's time to start cooking it's game on and we'll we'll fire it up and go it, it's almost it's almost as cooking is almost to me a, a second nature just because it's something that i've had a passion for for so long and i i enjoy i don't necessarily enjoy my own cooking but i enjoy people that are eating my cooking and and really you know they always say whenever people start eating after you cook and everybody gets quiet you know it's good they don't have to tell you it's good uh that's just a, a, a pride that I have to see other people and, and teach other people. I love teaching people on how to cook Cajun food because it's really a lot easier than most people think. Yeah. And it's a lot simpler than most people think. Um, but so, no, it'll, it'll, it'll happen just like you closing your eyes and going to sleep. It so just will happen. Crab meat has a great taste to it. You guys love these Blue Point crabs. 
Why put them in a gravy? Why mask the flavor of these crabs? It's an honest question. Crab right. meat's That's good just pulling out and eating. I don't even need butter to dip it in. Why do you mask? Is it, is this gravy that good? Is you're like not, a crab you're not bisque? masking it. You're not masking it. You're using the crabs to add to the flavor of the gravy. Yeah. Okay. So in other words, the gravy is gonna have the the cla- the, the crab flavor. So I'll know? be able to tell this is a seafood gravy tonight yeah. Oh, easily. Yeah. 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 So there's nothing in it but seafood. Right. Is it still got the the Holy Trinity? Explain it, yeah. please. Yeah. So what we'll do tonight? We're actually gonna make a a roux from scratch because. Kyle likes jar roux and I don't. <laughs> so we'll we'll do a, a roux from scratch. And I don't. And and we'll make we'll make the roux which will be the base of the gravy. We'll add the Holy Trinity to to that. We'll smother all of that down. We'll sweat the Trinity down in the roux, and we'll start adding water. And that'll actually make a gravy. Remember last night we made the grimis to make our gravy. We didn't do a roux last night. We used the the fat and the as the meat was browning and searing to start our gravy, we'd let it stick on the bottom. Tonight will be completely different. The roux will actually be the base of the gravy, and we'll get the roux to the point of where we need it. We'll add the trinity, we'll sweat it down, and all of this will be happening over a beer and socializing just like we are. The seafood really just comes in at the end because, again, you don't want to overcook your seafood. So it's just going to add that flavor to that roux towards the end of the gravy, and we'll just let it let it simmer for 20 minutes and then it, it'll be it'll be ready but it'll it'll taste completely different than what than what we had last night so do the crabs go in whole and you're picking them with the gravy or you crack them and you put the meat in there no well and and that's another thing of why would you you know like you said why would i not enjoy crab just boiled in seasoned water and really get the taste of it in a gravy is going to taste completely different but you'll still taste the crab because we hadn't had it in the gravy so for, i'm going to actually pull long. the crab out of there the claw and the leg and, yep and, and you'll it break it just like you would on a on a boiled crab so so, so, so i mean enough to you now that you'll do this for me tonight sit next to me hand me the meat absolutely crack. not no no way Shit. no well, maybe you no. see and that, that <laughs> but but some something to think about that what we caught today is probably considered a stew crab yeah so at home in Lake Dotrieve, right, right behind where where the shop is, where we grew up. So there was they, people put out crab traps, and my grandfather used to have crab traps, and they would catch crabs in there, but they wasn't always of boiling sauce. So your smaller crabs, they would make they call them stew crabs because people would make stews like what he's doing. So growing up, that was something we ate often. It was a crab, you know, shrimp and crab stew, and you you know you just basically the, you you're gonna take the crab out and you're gonna Peel it just like a regular crab. So, how what parts of the crab will you eat tonight, Kyle? Well, you're eating the, the cavity, the cavity, and you can eat, you can crack the legs open yeah. in the legs. Will you do a tutorial on it tonight to show us? Yeah, yeah. Do you use any utensils or is it all fingers? No utensils. I mean, no. Well, I mean, you use a shell cracker to crack to crack the uh, the claw. Claw. You use a shell cracker for that. But other than that, just your fingers. And and I think a lot of it has to do with going back to the Cajun way is that you you cook what you have. I mean, if we'd have caught 144 crabs a day, we might have not made a gravy and a stew. We're you know we didn't catch that many, so you kind of stretch it and you add other stuff that you have to to make it go further. Um, I mean, when Kyle and them come out here, we come and catch a a, a boatload of crabs. You don't go home and make a stew. You you boil them boil because. It. You have an abundance of them. You have to, you know, that's the best way and easiest way to cook them. When you only have a, a, a dozen or two, 
you know, and you're trying to feed 10 people with a dozen of crabs, then you're going to add something else and make it, you're going to stretch it. So, so we're tonight, we're going to have a seafood, is it called a stew? Would it be called a stew or just a gravy? Well, I don't know. I, I'm, it's, we'll, we'll we see. Yeah, it might be kind of a Cubillon type. It'll, it'll definitely be a roux based. I'll add some fresh Roma tomatoes and, uh, because the tomatoes complement smothered okra, which we got, you know, from the garden. And, and I think it'll kind of blend in. So it'll be kind of a combination of a There's stew and a Cubillon. In the soup? Or yeah. In the, in the yeah, gravy. in the gravy. So think about, think about this. Think about everything he just said that he's putting in there. And you think about the layers of flavors that's going to be in there. And that's what, like a gumbo, that's what makes a gumbo. That's what makes the stew. That's what is the all the layers of flavor. And then at the end is a combination of flavors that, that just makes it, you know. Close your mind. Yep. What is a gumbo? A, a, what is, what you mean? What is a what gumbo? Is a gumbo? What, is gumbo not a stew? Mm, well, gumbo is roux-based. But it's a thin, so a stew, a stew is is roux based, but it's a thick gravy. So in other words, whenever you're gonna pour it on top of your rice, it's gonna stick to the rice. The gravy that we had last night, or our onion gravy, is much thinner. So you pour it on your rice, and it kind of runs off. A gumbo is a stew, a roux based with a lot of water. So it's thin. It's more of a soup, like you 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 know you. It's more the meat is floating in the gravy, but it's not a gravy. It's more of a soup consistency, but it's thicker because of the roux. And what is jambalaya? It's no gravy. So in other words, jambalaya is like a rice base, kind of like a boudin is what, like what it is. It makes a gravy, but you make, you, you are cooking the rice in the gravy. Is there a lot of tomato in jambalaya? Uh, no. I no, mean, it, no some, people, some people may do it. Yeah, once you get closer to more of the Creole and, and even like New Orleans will, will make jambalayas with, with tomato base, but Cajuns don't put tomatoes they in there. They don't put tomatoes in jambalaya. No. Mm-hmm. And what's an etouffee? An it's etouffee f- is basically just smothered seafood. So you can, like a crawfish etouffee, you still use the Trinity, but instead of doing um, a roux with flour and oil, you use flour and butter, and you'll make more of a blonde roux. So you just don't cook it quite as long, and obviously butter has a lower burn temperature than oil. So it, it'll burn faster, so you, you don't cook it near as long. But a, an etouffee is, is almost all seafood and, and a little bit of gravy. But, but it's not really a gravy. It's more just that blonde, buttery, silky, but mostly seafood. Mostly seafood is an etouffee. I'm hungry. I mean, I'm starving. I mean, I mean I we we did not we didn't eat lunch today, so I mean. Well, I had a little bit of a boudin sandwich with white bread. Oh, yeah. And then I had a boudin from the store. And and a, and a tasso sandwich. A, so I don't know why he's hungry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm starving right now, man. I do have some leftover tassos. Tassos. I think you left it out on the porch on the barbecue pit outside, oh, which is it's, rain, it's raining right now. Oh so. man, I did because I had to tend to the dogs. Oh, there's a couple over there. You might you might better eat you a little snack. There's a what? There's a cover where where you left it. Really? Mm. I think we got a few of those turkey necks left that we use to crab. We, That's we can, actually what we're cooking tonight. We've been lying I to you the whole day. I we ain't eating a turkey neck. <laughs> I'm not eating a turkey neck. No. Kyle, Charlie, thank you very much. We're going to have a good meal tonight. Another good duck hunt tomorrow. What is tomorrow? What are we doing tomorrow? What's the, After the duck hunt, what's our deal? You got a plan? You got a game plan? Yeah, we're cooking. 
More more food. Are we? I think so. That's whenever you're taking out the grill and you're gonna show us what with a little a little bit of your flair on this end, right? Oh. Steaks, American almond beef. Is is the pressure on, on you? Do you think no. much about it? No. You just do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do it. I gotta have high heat to reverse sear a lot of the stuff I do. I do a reverse sear on a lot of stuff. So we'll have that cast iron going with high heat on the stove tomorrow. I'm I'm interested to learn that because I'm not I'm not overly familiar so I'm with with, with the, the Traeger technology. Pork so. chops, chicken wings. Maybe you'll get me to buy a Traeger before the, the hunt's over. Maybe. You'll like it. Traegers are awesome. Convection, they're like a you can do anything. I mean I make unbelievable desserts. You can make a cherry pie in there, a peach cobbler. You can do all your vegetables. You can do slow cooked barbecue, brisket ribs, pork butt, pork shoulder. I mean, I've done moose roast in there, slow cooking them, pulled Canada goose meat with sandwiches or enchiladas or stacked nachos. We just did, um, I wanted to show you guys this because you both said, <clears throat> which really surprised me in the last 24 hours, that you guys don't enjoy alligator. Is that fair to say? Uh, I don't say we don't enjoy it, but no, I enjoy it. There, there's so many other things to eat that we would enjoy more, I guess. Than, I mean, I'll tell you right now. Alligator. If I walked in somewhere and they had fried alligator, I, I, I mean, that'd probably yeah. be one of the first things I'd grab. It would be. Oh yeah. No, I like. I mean, I, I like it. I think it's very good. It's very tasteful. Well, I was hoping I could find this to show you one video before we got off of here. I guess with alligator, though, you you know when you're used to running gator tags and out there and harvesting them, you know, that, that I think is, is, a <laughs> the environment that they live in, what they eat. It's, it's, you have to psych yourself up to eat it once you know how they live and what they live off of, I guess. Look so, at this. And I agree with that. I mean, like I, you guys know more about that, but here's a Traeger. This is a couple of weeks ago in New York. We had a bunch of, uh, my buddy had just gotten back from Florida and he had killed a bunch of gators. But here, here's what we did with them. Check this out. Stuff, stack nachos, unbelievable. Canada pulled. Look at that. Look at that. We took a clothes hanger and make a spit on it, spiral it up, and we thin sliced that gator and put it on there like. Right, and oh, we put man. all every piece had the olive oil. We put our, our provider rubs on it, slow cook it in that Traeger, spritz it with a little butter during the cook. At the very end, we put on the high heat and charred a little bit. Have our gyro bread, our pita bread over here with a homemade chichiki. Chichiki, chich, you know the name of that sauce that they put on Greek gyros, that cucumber sauce. Chikizi sauce or whatever it's called. It's, uh, is that kind of it's? It, yeah, I know what you're talking about. It's so we had, like a, a he made a home, he had a homemade garlic and cucumber, almost like a chimichurri. Yeah. Kinda, huh? Well, I don't know. I don't, maybe, but it's it's what you get on a lamb euro, like yeah. if you went to Pittsburgh or somewhere. And we would shave that like the Brazilians do, where they bring the skewer around, they right. just shave the meat. We would shave, just slice straight down, and shave that gator meat off of that spit, and put it in that Greek euro with the homemade sauce. Oh, dude. Everybody in camp was like, man, and that was the second time I had. I had it in Wisconsin with him one time, and then he made it for us up in upstate New York. Lights out, Gator. Lights out. I did some Gator in, in Turkey Camp in April in Nashville that he that Rob Roberts brought up from Carolina. 
and we had a big gator cookout and we blew it out of the water with one of our provider rubs called flaky and it was unreal i mean i took my time and i got all the fat off of it i cleaned up the meat really good and then our boy gary up there had a fryer and we did it we did a light batter fry fry with gator and it was mm. so there so probably the and and this is a another thing to try which which i guess in south louisiana and like i said being in the environment where you catch them there was a a recipe that that we would do is uh, a lot of times but it involves cypress wood and cypress is known in south louisiana it's a very soft wood that has a nice you know aroma smell to it but we would take a piece of the gator meat and put it on the on the cypress wood and you'd cover it with a piece of bacon and you'd season it up real good salt black pepper red pepper put some garlic on it and you'd put it on the on a smoker and you'd smoke it and then after about four hours you'd take the gator and the bacon throw it away and you'd eat the cypress wood (laughs) i knew it was coming i should have stopped you (laughs) gator is not that bad charlie that's charlie that's kyle we're coming at you live from gator tail louisiana We'll be back at you with another episode of the Fat Life Podcast. Thank you to all of our partners and sponsors. Check out our sponsor page at thefatlife.com. Thank you for the subscriptions and downloads. If you have anything that you want to hear on here, hit us up. Info at thefatlife.com. Brand new episodes of Benelli's The Fat Life airing right now. Seriously, right now we're in Idaho with John Shaw, Hagerman Wings, smoking mallards, cooking. On that episode right there, we did mallard tacos, mallard street tacos, mallard nachos, and mallard enchiladas. Unbelievable at Hagerman Wings Farm. We'll be back at you until then. Listen to the song 2 a.m. Logic. The song is called My Ally. Heart, it's in my soul, I'm riding hard in it.